The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.theweightcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. So, if you're fishing with your good buddy, are you gonna hand? Yeah. Are you gonna hand in this fly if you're lighting it up, or is this one of those okay. that is that oh. top secret that it's it's not coming out? <laughs> oh man, you just you totally opened up a can there because that's like because here's the thing. So, so when I'm when I'm fishing with Jim. I'm like, Jim doesn't want any of my flies. Like, cause even like, so, so he doesn't want any of my flies and it's not that I haven't offered him flies before. Like even on the last stream that we fished, yeah. like a few weeks ago, and I probably shouldn't, you know, tell tales, but, uh, but now that you've asked the question, I, I'm just going to spill beans here. So, um, so even on the last, the last stream that we fished, I, like I was doing quite well on this, this one pattern, but Jim always mocks me for using any type of like, kind of like foam. Right. <laughs> so, and you'll see it even in the series and he's serious when he does it. Like he's totally serious when he mocks you. He's like, he's like, Oh yeah, no, Derek's probably using some ridiculous like foam pattern again. Right. So he's always saying stuff like that. And, and so I had like, we were, you know, we were fishing, you know, we're, we're kind of fishing this smaller stream on his side of the Rockies and we're, we're kind of taking turns like as we were moving up because it was, it was quite a small stream. And so it was, it was a really nice day, like doing that, where it was like taking turns and kind of each, you know, each kind of hole. And every time one of us would land one, then the next guy would go. And it was just a really nice way to do it. And, and, uh, I had like, I had hooked this one, like enormous cutthroat because they were they were really onto this what Jim would consider this ridiculous pattern that I was using. They were really onto it, and and I hooked this lovely cutthroat. It was probably I don't know, it was eighteen to twenty inches. It was just an absolutely beautiful cutthroat. And and then and then we kind of looked in the hole, and we could see there was another fish that that was feeding in there that was also quite large. And so so Jim started to key in on that one. And, and so I was watching him and, and it's really quite amazing to kind of watch him as he's like, you know, as he's going through and trying to get this fish and he's, his flies are getting smaller and smaller. And, you know, as he's changing up flies and as he's working this fish that he can see feeding. And, and I finally said, Jim, like here, take my rod, like just throw, throw this out. Well, that's, that's and, the ultimate insult. Take my rod. <laughs> I didn't, but uh, I didn't mean it that way. It was kind of like, it was kind of like, like, I know you're going to get this fish, but, but like, but like, just take it. And, and he kind of like, he was kind of like, he kind of ignored it. And, and I said it again a few minutes later and he ignored it again. And then I think that after that, I was like, okay, he really doesn't want to. He's just being nice to me by just ignoring what I'm saying. That's right. And sure enough, he like, he kept going smaller and smaller. He was using like different, different, like little tiny mayfly patterns. And I think that's who he was using. And then, and then he, uh, he ended up getting that fish on a, 
on a sunken ant. So that's and it was it was quite a small pattern that he got it on. But was it yeah, foam? It was, pretty, was it a foam? Uh, no, no, his no his his terrestrials are not foam pattern. Okay, so not a chubby Chernobyl. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> uh, I love it. See, but that's what I love about a good fishing buddy. It's like you kind of yeah. know each other's no-go zone. It's like, and right. you can give each yeah. other the gears about it. Um, yeah. That's good stuff. I love it. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Very happy you are tuning in this time around. We really appreciate it. And we're going to do what we always love to do on the show. And we search out people, passionate people, which most of them are in the fly fishing space. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know that uh, we could have found one more passionate person than we did today. Uh, we want to welcome Derek Bird to the podcast. Derek is the founding editor at Fly Fusion Magazine, one of our faves for sure, responsible for the unique vision of the mag, overseas uh, acquisition of editorial content, co-host of the popular Fly Fusion series on TV, and has a uh, new novel out, his first novel called Last Summer, on the sage we're going to talk all about that dig into his fly fishing story derek thanks so much for coming on the show wow thank you thank you for that intro first off and thank you for um, thank you for having me i really appreciate it i i respect i respect what you do so much and so uh so thank you for yeah thanks for inviting me on i really appreciate it oh man my pleasure thanks for doing it and I I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to many of our shows, but what I always like to do, Derek, is kind of hit the, I say rewind button. Some of the younger crowd might not know what that means, but let's just say we're, <laughs> let's say we're, we're starting at the beginning. So this passion you have for all things fins, whether it's through the magazine, your writing, your novel now, where did it start? Yeah, it well, and I have to say, you know, speaking of the re the rewind button or the fast forward button, um, it started, it started, I would say, during the era of blockbuster, right? So, so I'm not, <laughs> uh, I'm that age where I remember going to blockbuster and picking out, picking out movies, and uh, even even pre that, having to rewind them before they were on DVD. So well, what was it? Please, um, so please be so, kind. Rewind wasn't that the thing? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I am that vintage, and uh, and I have to say it was it was my dad who who got me into fishing. And the guy was, you know, I can't kind of credit him enough with the way he did it because because um, he was, you know, the way he did it, he realized that you know it's probably not best to start a kid fly fishing. It's probably best because kids they just want to catch fish, right? They mm -hmm. don't care how they do it. And so he started us with you know a spinning rod and. Um, yeah. And, and from there, it was kind of like, from there, kind of, I was around nine or 10 when, when I started to look at my dad and realized that he was doing it a little bit differently. And I'm like, man, I want to do it like dad, right? I want to, I want to be able to do what he's doing. And so, so I did. So I, I, he taught me how to, you know, how to cast and how to, you know, how to tie flies. And he taught me how to do all that. And I can even remember sometimes like I got, I got like, I was so badly bitten by fly fishing that that there were times where I would like take his gear like when he was at work so I'd like 
take his rod and stuff and just <laughs> me and me and my brother we'd tie them to our bikes with binder twine and we'd ride to this little lake called Idlewild lake which was just on the outskirts of town and it was a little little lake for kind of like kids that were 16 and under and uh where you could go and and just kind of cast for fish and anyway so we spent lots of time there as kids but the point is is that um is that most times i'd be able to get his gear back before he realized it was gone but one time um one time i took a rod of his and and i got it like it was a really lightweight rod and his friend um, one of his friends actually made it built the rod and i remember uh, i remember casting it and getting it caught on something behind me and i did i thought i could just pull it off and so i pulled and it broke just down near the handle and so i remember having to like i remember being terrified you know that feeling you get when you're a kid when it's like the last thing in the world you want to do is like oh yeah tell, yeah tell your parents that you just did something that you know that you don't want to tell them about anyways i knew that that i had to tell him because this was like his rod was kind of his pride and joy right and so anyways so yeah i remember thinking well i better better get this done and i didn't want to face him like i didn't want to do it face to face so i remember calling him at work before he came home and crying on the phone and saying oh man <laughs> saying dad i broke your rod and cool thing about that looking back is that he didn't he didn't yell or get mad at me and i think that now that i'm a dad i think i might know why i think he he saw kind of my love for fly fishing is kind of something that was bigger than that rod. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No matter how like important or symbolic that rod was to him, I think he saw that. And, and so anyway, so that was kind of a looking back, like obviously not at the time, but looking back, that was very much a defining kind of a defining moment for me. And then from there, um, from there, like we always expanded the range, right. As kids do. Right. So kind of like up to a certain age, it was, you know, hop on the bikes and then, um, and then we would go from that lake. And then when we got a little bit older, kind of like 14, 15, we'd ride our bikes out to like the St. Mary's river, which is about a 15 kilometer ride from town. And we'd, you know, we'd go out there and fish all day and kind of figure out the ropes that way. Um, we just kind of try whatever flies worked and, and, uh, you know, weighed whatever water we thought was weightable. And sometimes we'd learn that it wasn't. And, uh, and so we kind of figured it, figured things out that way. And so, I have to, you know, another shout out to my parents for, um, for being kind of free range parents and letting us, you know, letting us kind of spread our wings and, and trying to figure things out. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of value in that. Anyways, that's where the passion started. Um, it started back then and, you know, it was partly geographical, I'm sure because of where I grew up, I kind of grew up in kind of a fly fishing mecca which wasn't a fly fishing mecca at the time yeah um, i know what you mean yeah it's true yeah yeah so but, where exactly um, were you where were name some towns some rivers here where are you growing sure, up? sure yeah 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 so i grew up um well i was I, i'm kind of a rocky mountain trench boy so um so i was born in golden and i tell my wife that all the time i'm like honey i'm a golden child just remember that she <laughs> she reminds me often that i'm not so i <laughs> not in a bad way not in a bad way, but uh, she brings me back to earth. So that's really good. Um, but I, I was born in Golden and then raised in Cranbrook, British Columbia. And so uh, so a lot of those, um, even though, so I live on Vancouver Island now, but, um, but I still kind of consider like some of the waters in the Rockies, um, my home waters. So, you know, every year kind of for at least a week in the summer, 
I drive back and, um, and I just fish for like a whole week. I just try to like drink as much of that in as possible. Right. Cause you know, the Island is great, but it's, it's just a different type of fishery, right? It's, it's, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm a trout guy at heart and I kind of live in salmon steelhead, you know, central here. And so, so being a trout guy, you gotta, you know, you gotta pick your time, you gotta pick your spots and you gotta be patient because fish aren't always in the rivers. Right. So, um, so you got to figure it out that way, but, um, but yeah, so, hmm. so I go back to, I go back to the Kootenays kind of at least once a year, sometimes twice, um, just to get my fill of kind of West Slope cutthroat and bull trout and, uh, yeah. and yeah, just, um, <laughs> just make the best of that. Cause I, cause it, right deep down inside, like in you, um, you know, even in some of my writing and stuff, whether it's, you know, whether it's new novel or whether it's kind of through the magazine or whatever, um, a, a lot of kind of what I write about reflects kind of like trouty kind of like you can't, you know, you can take the boy out of the Rockies, but I don't know how the saying goes, but you can't take the Rockies out of the boy or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's, so that's me. That's kind of me in a nutshell, as far as like, uh, as far as kind of where and how, and, um, the one thing too, that the one thing too, that I just want to say, um, just kind of, as I'm getting to kind of talk about, this thinking back a little bit. Um, one other thing that I just used to absolutely love as a kid is in the winters. Um, I used to do like probably the uncoolest sport of all time. And I don't know why my parents put me in it, but, um, but they, they put me in bowling. And the thing I remember most about bowling is that, um, is that I had to wait at the bowling alley. And I don't know if it was because my brother was still bowling or whatever it was. Um, but I had to wait at the bowling alley for a period of time. And there's a fly shop just down the street from the bowling alley where I grew up. And I remember I'd walk down to the fly shop and I just like, I, I can remember just standing in there and like just staring at stuff and just thinking, oh, when I get older, I'm going to buy that. And, you know, when I save up enough, I'm going to buy this fly time material. And when I, and so I, so I remember that very much. And, uh, I remember there was a lady in there that always used to look at me like I was stealing something because I was a kid. Right. But um but i never ever stole anything i just was like no that was just my happy place it's it's just a fantastic place to be but anyways i no longer bowl if you were going to ask me that i don't do that anymore but i still i still fly fish so <laughs> it, it's pretty cool though when you you know even at that young age you realize how much it kind of was in your dna already that's kind of cool and something you just kind of alluded to derek that i think of a lot okay so the window for us trout chasers, especially on moving water, is so mm. small, right? It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's and it seems like it's getting smaller all the time to me. Yeah, yeah, and and yes, so yes, yes, and yes. It's like, um, and you know, well, you you know where you're at, and I know even in the Kootenays, the last few years, you know, the window has even shortened a little bit because they've been, you know, they've had to shut down fisheries and stuff because of like, you know, water temperatures and, and which is a good thing. I'm, I'm totally hundred percent for that, um, to protect kind of the fish and the fisheries, especially during those super, super hot times and kind of drought times. Um, and you know, it, it's a, it's very, it's just a very, it can be very finicky. And I think that, you know, that's kind of what makes fly fishing what it is too. Right. I mean, the week that I went, to the Kootenays this year it was like well I went there because that's like that's like prime time and I know it's prime time and I know where to fish well it was like everything was high like it was just you know yeah it was like about two or three weeks behind and and which is great too right not for me fishing there at that week but 
but like in the greater kind of grander scheme of things, there was a lot of water moving through. It was cold, you know, it was good, but, but yeah, it's, um, and is it, do you think Mark, it's the, the older we get, we realize that the window is shorter or do you think that I, well, it's something maybe, else? Maybe my window is just getting real short. I don't know, but I, <laughs> no, that I, you know, what made me say that is okay. Like I'm on the same page with you, Derek. This, this was a cool kind of wet spring so the water levels were higher so we were waiting for those flows to come down so we could really you know half decently fish it and then all of a sudden next thing you know it's almost 40 degrees celsius and it's like the you know that the trout don't like that either but the the flows were where i'm at are still relatively high for this time of year i mean it's august for crying out loud we should be uh down to a trickle right right yeah so yeah yeah, it is. It's, um, it's, you know, it's, it's finicky or it seems to be more finicky than it was. And I don't know if that's, if that's just kind of my faulty recollection or if it, you know, if it really is that, if we're kind of, if we live in a, in an area that, you know, not to throw out any kind of like political terms, but if we live in an area that, you know, maybe kind of like, you know, quite affected by kind of, uh, higher and lower temperatures as a result of, mm-hmm. you know, as a result of climate change. But, um, but for sure it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I I can't tell you how many times, you know, in the last year where I've, where I've shown up, um, to a place that, you know, that as a, as a kid growing up, where it's just like always flowing kind of cold and clear and just always seemed to be the same level. And, and now, you know, over the last few years, I'll go back and it'll be, you know, substantially lower, like, like it'll be a, meet a new low watermark or, um, or like, you know, I'll be there and it'll be like, it'll get blown out in the middle of summer, which like, yeah. which I've, I never, ever saw that as a kid. Right. Like kind of some of these seasonal storms that, that move through every once in a while and just kind of, you know, dump some massive rain in the, in the summers. I just, I can't remember that growing up in the Kootenays, but maybe it was there. I don't know. I remember the winters as colder too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You, me both. I agree. Yeah. But I find yeah. it reeks, it reeks a little havoc with the hatches too. Cause you know, when those stoneflies should be popping, right. You know, when yes. those maize should be popping and all of yeah. a sudden the water's super low or it's super high and everything's out the window. I'm finding the same yeah. thing on, on still water too. It's because it's been such a late season what what I mean the caddis haven't started popping yet. It's July. Well, they're a little late this year, you know? Everything yeah. was behind. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like um I always kind of time my I know you had Jim on the show last week. I listened to that podcast. It was really good. You guys did a really good job. And um and yeah, so I, I kind of time my my fishing trip so I can get out and fish with Jim a little bit too. And Jim was actually he he was actually saying, Oh, you know, the the hatches, you know, the hatches aren't because I was fishing with him on his side of the Rockies, which is the Alberta side. And he, he was mentioning kind of some of the differences that he's seeing in, in hatch activity. And I'm like, oh, man, that's like that is it's true. It's, it's kind of it, it seems to be throwing it out of balance. Right. Where it's like, you know, we could you could see a hatch chart. Right. And you'd go you'd go, oh, OK, well, in kind of at this time you know, this is kind of be, you know, whether the fish have like, say like a, you know, I call it um like a stonefly hangover, right. Or something where, you know, that they've just kind of gone through yeah. and the fish have just gorged themselves on stoneflies. And maybe there's not a lot, you know, showing itself, but, but you still know kind of how to attack that. Well, you might not necessarily, that might not line up perfectly anymore. And, and, um, mm-hmm. and which, which is a reminder too, that, um, and, and now that I'm kind of a hybrid kid where, 
where it's like, you know, I, I live on Vancouver Island, but I love the Kootenays. Um, I, you see that with salmon too. So it's not just kind of the hatches, but, but you see that with salmon too, that, um, and there was somebody that said it to me at one point, I don't know if I'm, you know, quoting somebody else like accurately or not, but they said something to the effect of, you know, well, the fish don't follow our calendars, right? They don't, they don't know it's June 15th. They don't know it's like, yeah. you know, August 18th. They don't know that. So, so they're just, they're just kind of going on, going on what, what is happening rather than yeah. kind of what should be happening. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I find that too which, with, you know, flora, you know, like the Saskatoons are flowering. Those mayflies should be popping. What, you know, but guess what? The Saskatoons aren't flowering either at the same time. Right. So you're right. They don't look at the calendar to say, oh, hey, what's going on here? Um, yeah, I love that. I love that, by the way, that you made a Saskatoon reference. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a BC boy too, right? Yeah, so, well, those balsam root sunflowers means chronomid season to me. The the, right. the Saskatoons <laughs> mean, the you know, the, the maize are popping. Yeah, it's, uh, I love those cycles oh, and those observations, I, you know? I love that. I absolutely love that, Mark, because you're like, because that's how you know you love you absolutely like you're just a flying alert to your like absolute core right mm. because because you draw everything like everything is a reference point for the trout <laughs> Do well, you know what I mean? I, I, I think we steal a page out of gardeners books because I think there's a lot, I know a lot of fly fishers that are avid gardeners, which I am too. Not, I'm not so good of a gardener, but I love it. And yeah. it's like, there, you you know, when that forsythia is flowering, you know what time of year it should be flowering. And it, like it, to get to my day job, when we're, when we're harvesting grapes for, for harvest, it's like, well, we're actually two weeks behind last year at this time. This is right. when they started to change color through Verizon. But for me, those right. little, those, those, those things matter and I find them fascinating, but it's always, you're right. It's nature. It's not like we can uh, say, Hey, this isn't right. Yeah. That's what's happening. So let's deal with it. Last, uh, like a while ago I was fishing a lake and, and there was like, as I was putting the boat, as I was putting my boat in, there was a kid that was swimming and he came up out of the water and he was like yelling. He's like, mom, I've got something on my leg. And he had this big leech on his leg and he's freaking out. And of course I looked over to see what color it was. Right. Cause I'm like, I'm like mom, mom, will, mom will take care of that. Right. So, so it's like, Everything, I but I, anyways, it just reminded me of, yeah, of you kind of looking at plants and bushes and going, yeah, no, this is, this should be happening because this is happening right now. You yeah. know what we used to do as kids, Derek, we used to go into the golf course ponds and get golf balls, but we didn't know that there were leeches in there at the time. And you want to talk about like a standby me kind of moment when you just brought that up. I'm like, man, I've been there. That ain't pretty. You can't even so, feel those things on you either. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's the whole thing. And then have you ever tried to kill one after you took it off? They're like, they're rubber. They're hard to get off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's And then great reference, great reference to the Stand By Me moment, which, which I just, and I don't know why it took me so long to realize this, but I just um, learned like a while ago, like within the last year that, that Stand By Me was actually written by Stephen King. Like the, not not the like not the movie itself, but it was but Stand By Me was actually based on a short story by Stephen King. Yep. And yeah. and I was like, I didn't know that. Why didn't I know that? But anyway, yeah, that's neither here. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, Classic. So let let's dig deep into this. So obviously you've spent a lot of time on the water with Jim over the years and, and something I like to talk a lot on this this show is influences. Because we're all shaped by 
so many. Um, it sounds like your dad was a huge driving force in that, but you know, you're so embedded in the fly fishing space. When you look back and say, okay, you know, I fished with this guide a lot. I really picked some stuff up. Who would you look to that kind of, um, kind of nurtured, kind of helped you along in your fly fishing journey? Oh, that's a great, that's an absolutely great question. Um, so, so kind of like, I would say kind of pre, like pre me getting into the magazine. So kind of like me just, I would say just kind of raw me, like me and my, you know, teens and into my twenties. And, you know, I like, obviously, so obviously my dad and I've said that, um, but, but then it was kind of like, there were some magazines and books, right? So, so one book that like, that I would, that I, that was kind of a staple for me that I read and reread and was just like, this is the most amazing thing in the world was the Gilly um, by, I think it was by Alfred Davy. Yeah. I got it in and front it of was, me. Do you really? Mm -hmm. Oh, I loved it. I yep. like, I couldn't get enough of that. And, and it was, and it's a compilation, right? It's an edited compilation by like all these different kind of like, you know, whoever kind of the best of the best were at that time. Right. Yeah. And it is. so, so yeah, so I picked up just a, I, I would, I thought it was kind of like all encompassing <laughs> at that age where I was just like, Oh, this is all I need to know. Right. But, but it was very like, you know, I found it um, very informative, whether it was, you know, casting the knots to, you know, to, you know, insect activity to, you know, fishing rivers to like, it was, it kind of had it all in there. It had, you know, reference to all of that. And so, so I would say that was big um, magazines. I used to love getting like fly fishing magazines, like fly fishermen and, and, you know, sitting down and reading the articles. And, and I used to like be absolutely enamored too, with the ads and kind of be like, be like, Oh man, one day, like one day I'm going to, I'm going to get like, you know, this rod. Right. Cause I'd see the ad. I'd just be like, Oh, I'll be able to afford that one day. And so I used to love that. That was huge. Um, there was this, this one, this one was kind of a, this is kind of an odd one, but it just kind of come to mind too. And it was, um, there was one guy who fished a lot, but wasn't a fly fisherman. And he was one of my dad's friends. And, and the only reason that I would say he was a huge, like a huge kind of like influence in my life was because one time he said to me, he was talking to my dad and and he, you know, kind of like was talking to me like I was a human being, right? Even though I was only in my teen, I was in my teens. And, and I always mm -hmm. appreciated people that could do that. They could, yeah. you know, see me as a human being at that age. And um, he was talking to me like a human being and he was into fishing. I was into fly fishing and, and I was talking trout. And, and then he said, he said, yeah, well, you know, that there's not just like, there's not just West slopes around here. And I was like, oh yeah, like we catch white fish and stuff too. And he's all, well, and this is like, again, this is kind of pre like the Kootenays becoming kind of like fly fishing Mecca or central. Right. And so there wasn't, there wasn't a lot like we could read about or figure out without kind of like, you know, kind of, you know, stories from like person to person. And he said to me, he was like, well, you know, so I was out last week and I got this like 12 pound fish and I went, Oh, like in a lake. And he said, no, in the river. I'm all, what was it? And I totally didn't even believe him because here I'd fished, you know, these rivers for kind of like for years, even to that point in my teens, I'd fished them for years. And he saw it was called a bull trout and I'd never heard of a bull trout before. Hmm. And, and so, and so after that, 
I said to my buddies who I fished with, I said, I said, apparently there's like fish up to like 15 pounds in the river. Did you know that? And they're like, no. And then, so then we, we did everything we could to start figuring out how to fish for them. And sure enough, we started to catch them. Right. And so that was like, so that was, that was a moment where I was like, where I just kind of realized that, you know, I still had so, so much to learn, even though, you know, in my teens and twenties, I still thought I knew everything, but um, where I realized that, wow, this is like, this is pretty cool that, so anyway, so there was, there was that guy. Um, I can't remember his first name anyways. um, But uh, yeah, so there was that guy, there was like, uh, I think as I, as I've gotten older, um, I think that, um, you know, and not to sound like kind of a, you know, massive Jim McLennan fan, but, but I would say Jim has been like, he's been very much a mentor and, and, and I don't know, I don't know if he knows that, you know, he's a mentor to me because I've never actually like gone to him and say, Hey Jim, would you mentor me? But, um, <laughs> but he's, <laughs> that's a, but, that sounds funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. How do you establish that relationship? You have to ask, is it like yeah. dating somebody? Do you no, have to like... no, I hope not. It's more, it's more of an osmosis. I think it's of it as an osmosis, kind of like a sponge thing. Ah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So, yeah. So with Jim, it's been kind of that, right. Where I just kind of, I watch him do things and, and I'm just like, I fish with a lot of different people now and I watch Jim do things and I'm like, okay, how does he do that? Right. Like, like there was, and I think he, I think this was on film cause, but like standing there watching it, I'm just like, I'm in awe, like him throwing, like there was uh there was a fish, there was a fish that he was casting. We were fishing in Alberta and this one stream that had been fished very, very little. And where it was kind of an exploratory trip for, to do some filming. And, uh, and there was this fish that was rising kind of an inch from the other side in a, in a nice little kind of slow reprieve type of lie. But between him and that bank, the water was moving super fast. And, you know, I saw him throw this, like, it was probably a 50, you know, 50, 60 foot reach mend. Um, so we could, so we could have that line land upstream just so we could get that fly to land for like, you know, whatever it was, three or four seconds, right? Just long enough for that fish to come up. And, and I was just like, you know, I know that, I know that we can read about that. We can watch people do it and, you know, on like YouTube and you can see people in, but, but there's something about being there and seeing somebody who, you know, who can do that consistently where you're like, Oh, I've got, as an angler, I've got a long ways to go. Do you know what I mean? And so I, I do. So, I do. Yeah. So, so Jim's kind of been that for me where I, where I realized he's been, um, he's been somebody where, um, where it's been like, you know, yeah, I, I edit a magazine, like I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm massively into fly fishing and I work with a whole bunch of different writers and a whole bunch of people who are kind of the best of the best in the industry. Um, but boy, I, like I, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot in fly fishing that, that I can still be a sponge about and that I can still learn and, and take in. And, and so Jim's kind of like, not with words, but he's reminding me of that. And so, uh, yeah. And, and we're out, we're out fishing. Uh, we were actually just out fishing. I think it was about two weeks ago now. And, and he gave me like, he gave me this huge compliment where he was like, he's like, oh, I could, I could see what did he, I don't know the exact words. And I know I'm not dreaming it, but he said something about, 
he said, something, oh, I could, you know, I could watch you cast for a while, like where you, you know, kind of where your placement, stuff like that. And that, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, that like, that really meant a lot. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I love it. You know, you know what I knew? I mean, I've known for a long time. I've wanted to get you on the show. I just... I, I struggle sometimes reaching out to certain people in the industry, and I'm not sure why, but I opened one of your magazines that I think my wife got me for Christmas. So it was like, a, you know, we do these stocking stuffers, and I always, whatever yeah. we're into, gardening, fly fishing, that's always what's in there. And I opened it up, and Dana Harrison had an article. Brian Chan had an mm. article. Jim McClellan mm. had an article. Ryan Ermit had an article. I'm like, this is exactly, every single person that's written an article on this magazine has been on this show. We, right, we yeah. need to talk, but I, I want to talk about your new your new novel. Um, walk us through that. Like, wh- <laughs> I, I've been reading up on. I, I mean, full disclosure, Derek, I have not read it, um, and I, yeah. I really don't like doing interviews unless I've read things. But I, I, there was a window here for us to do this, and I appreciate you. Um, last summer on the Sage. Yeah, and this is yeah. this is a fictitious novel here. This is not like one of your <laughs> one of your articles in Fly Fusion, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And so, oh my goodness, and where do you even start with this? It, it's kind of funny because, um, because like you know, everything I write in Fly Fusion is you know, there's nothing fictitious about it. You know, it's you know, some of it's philosophical, some of it's humorous, some of it's you know, some of it's, you know, got lots of info in it. And, but, but I think that, I think that, you know, kind of, to me, there's something about, there's something about fly fishing that, um, that invites, invites people who are creative to also be artistic. And, and so, so with this novel, it was like, I had this, I had this story kind of like bouncing around in my head and, and I had it there for probably like, you know, I'd say for seven or eight years type thing. And I'd always be like, Oh, I'm not the person to write that. Or, you know, there's, you know, there was a thousand reasons why I was like, Oh, I, you know, I'm just maybe shouldn't or whatever. But then one day I'm just like, it's still there. And if I don't do it, then, you know, so anyway, so I did, I sat down and I, I wrote it and, um, and it's like, it's a novel essentially. So it's a coming of age novel, you know, talk about, you know, talk about stand by me. Right. So it's a coming of age novel about, um, about a kid, like this 17 year old kid named Ryan who grows up, um, kind of in like Rocky mountains. Uh, he grows up, uh, fly fishing the rivers there. And, um, and he's, it's his last summer before he heads off to university. And so he's, He's trying to make the most out of his last summer um, fly fishing. And so, so everything in the novel has to do with like, has to do with that. Like that's the general driving force of the entire plot of everything. Right. Where, where it's like, he's just trying to make the most of like of fishing that summer. And, and I think that, and so I'll start with that concept because I think that concept, like, like to me, like the more anglers I talk with, who have fished for a lifetime, who have fished for kind of their whole lifetime, they know what it's like to leave a stream and not know, not know for sure if they'll be back, especially one that's had an impact on them. And, and so I was like that, you know, and I think that that's what, I think that that's what art or good art does is it likely awakens something within us or reminds something, um, something 
Yeah, it, it reminds us of something that we may have forgotten about, or um, I call it, and not to sound too philosophical, but I, I like to call it common humanity. And I think that that art or good art, it taps into kind of like common humanity. In other words, it awakens something within us and goes, where you go, um, where you go, oh, you know, I had that thought, right? Hmm. Or, or I, you know, I, I had that exact same experience, but it was like, but it wasn't like on that river. And that's why the Sage River, the last summer on the Sage, Sage is actually a, ri a river, but it's, but it's a combination of, of a whole bunch of different rivers that, you know, that as an author that I grew up fishing hmm. and hopefully as somebody who reads that, they'll be able to go, they'll be able to go, oh, I fished a river just like the Sage or a river just like the Sage was, was really a massive impact on me or had a huge impact on me growing up too. And so, so there's that aspect of it. There's, um, you know, it's not just, it's not just fly fishing. Uh, you know, he's Ryan's, you know, also kind of searching for a father that he's never met. And so that's one of his, you know, one of the things that he wants to accomplish before summer's out. Um, he's trying to figure out, kind of trying to figure out life as far as like what lies ahead. And so there's like, there's all of this. And then, and then he meets like, you know, the people that he fishes with. So he has a best friend that he fishes with. Um, and then his best friend has a sister who later becomes kind of a, a love interest in the novel. And don't worry, guys, it's, you know, it's not a love, you know, it's not a love story, but there is, there is a relationship in there for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the coolest relate, one of the coolest relationships in there um, is, uh, is one that is a character that Ryan ends up, um, Ryan ends up, kind of fishing with and becoming he becomes kind of his ryan's mentor and it's it's somebody who's who's really um very much kind of like pulled away from society and culture um because of just you know some things that had happened to him and so he so this character's name is jack and he he kind of has this cabin in the middle of absolutely nowhere right beside the river and kind of nobody knows about jack and ryan kind of crosses paths with him and the two kind of the two kind of form this just this absolutely wonderful relationship that that ends up um that ends up kind of like redeeming jack's character in a way um redeeming his story in a way where he he recognizes that there's still value in kind of in human beings because he didn't want anything to do with them but when he meets ryan um and kind of ryan's uh his his su such an innocent view of life because he's only 17 and such an enthusiastic view of life he kind of like begins to question some of his beliefs about kind of culture and society. And so anyways, that's, that's kind of like, that's a long, maybe a long answer to please go out and buy my novel and, <laughs> and read it. If you, you know, if you liked things like, um, if you liked novels like the river Y or, or river runs through it, um, then my guess is that you'll love, you know, you'll love this. Oh, I love this it. novel as well. So, so yeah. So if you've got like, if you don't have a summer reading list yet, there's still a little bit of time in summer. And if you, you know, if you don't know what you're doing for Christmas, as far as gifts, uh, you make go. sure you put this on there. <laughs> uh, I love it. So I'm curious about the process because, so how different is it? You know, somebody that does a lot of writing, most mainly articles, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you can throw the fiction part in it. Cause I'm sure some of it is drawn from experience on the water and you kind of drawing on that pool yeah but yeah. how freeing is it to be able to go well this, this guy's gonna be from wherever and do you know crazy things and I just i'm yeah. curious about the process of writing fiction versus fiction, yeah. reality 
You know what's great is, and what a fabulous question, like what an absolutely fabulous question, but, but I love the word you used, which was freeing. There is something about kind of the creative process where, um, where you're telling a story and I, I do, I love, I absolutely love telling stories like, um, but, but there's something about that process where you're like, where you're just like, oh, I get to actually like make up or create you know, this story and kind of like, but that said, Mark, um, most of the things in this novel are like, they're based on, they're kind of based on very loosely, you know, something that, or they have kind of a kernel in kind of like, in kind of something that actually happened. Like there's one, there's one place, there's lots of, there's lots of conflict and things like that in a novel too. And there's one place, um, just to give you an example, um, kind of a real life example where in the novel, you know, there's, there's this, there's this time where, where Ryan and his best friend and his best friend's sister have gone on their very first float trip. Right. And, and they're camping. So it's a camping float trip and they pull up kind of on this old, this old logging road, like halfway through the trip, they pull up on kind of the boat and they, they go to this old logging road where there's this old bridge and they set up camp and, and, uh, and in the in the morning, kind of the the antagonist or kind of the yeah the antagonist in the in the novel they they drive by on this old logging road. Well, that's a that's a that's based on this. It, it doesn't happen anywhere near the same as kind of what actually happens, but but like that kind of that part of the novel is based on a time when you know I I was uh, sixteen. And my buddies and I, we were camping and we, uh, we were way, way up this logging road and we figured we were the only ones there. And, but we, so we camped like right beside this, this old, like, you know, forestry bridge, this old logging bridge. And we heard at about two or three o'clock in the morning, there was this vehicle that went racing by and we're like, oh man, that's kind of crazy that anybody's out here driving at that time. Well, in the morning we got up and we, we packed up camp and we got all of our, we were there to fish. Right. So we like we packed up camp and we were there to fish and, and we like, uh, we, we got all of our gear together and my buddy, Kevin, who's, I have to, you know, I have to set the stage. He's like, he's kind of six foot five, like 200 and, you know, at that time he was probably 220 pounds. He was just this hulking kid, right? Now, like now when you see him, he's like 200 and probably 50 or 60 pounds. He's a big guy. But um, but anyways, so he had already headed across the bridge. And when he fished, he like, he always carried like knives on him. And like he, you know, he wore camo when he fished. And like, he was, he was kind of like, he was, uh, he always made fun of like flanglers that look like flanglers. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> He was kind of like, I don't know any other way to describe it. He was a flyingler, but he was like a redneck flyingler, right? He was just like, yeah, give me my fly rod. But yeah, anyway, so it. that was Kevin. That was Kevin. And I, yeah, I love those guys too, right? That are just like, yeah, I don't care what everybody looks like. This is what I look like. This is what I do when I'm out fishing. And so that was Kevin. Kevin had headed across the bridge already. And there was three of us, my brother, Jay and Bryce and myself. And we we're starting to walk across the bridge. Just when this, this vehicle came like racing up to the bridge, and so we were like 16, 17 at the time. Kevin was already on the other side, kind of up in the bush, heading to the fishing hole that we were going to. This vehicle like stops. These guys jump out of the vehicle. You know, beer cans are like falling out of the vehicle. They're in like their mid-20s. There's four of them. And and they like walked up to us and they were still like they were they were fighting the hangover by, 
you know, they were, they had just kind of kept drinking all, all the way through the night. Right. So they were, they were rocking it that way. And, and they kind of came up to us and, and they, they stood in kind of like this, this threatening circle and were kind of like, what are you guys doing? And why are you guys out here? And they, so they started to kind of make something of it. And I was like, oh no, because I knew my brother and my brother had a short fuse and I knew like the other guy that we were with also had a short fuse, but you know, we were outmatched. They were bigger. They were like, there were more guys. And, and I'm just like, so I'm, I'm a, like by nature, I'm very much a peacemaker. Right. So, so I'm like, Hey guys, no problem. You know, we're just heading out fishing, not a big deal. And, and they, and they, they started to push it a little bit more. And then Kevin must've seen, he was standing up in the bush and he must've seen what was happening. So he comes out onto the bridge and he's all, we got a problem here, guys, like kind of like that. And he starts to walk towards them <laughs> and, and they like, they backed off right away. They were like, no, no, no problem here. We're just stopping to, you know, piss off the bridge type thing. And, and, uh, and so that kind of like diffused the situation anyways, in the novel, there's, a, there's, there's kind of like one of the chapters that kind of like reflects that, but it like, but it goes far beyond that. And so it's like, so, so that's kind of like, there's a lot of stories in there that, you know, mm -hmm. growing up in the Kootenays, the, I don't know if, you know, where you grew up, but growing up in the Kootenays in the eighties, it was like, it was a rough place to grow up, man. Like, it was like, I was glad I had some big friends because, because it was a rough place to grow up. <laughs> so yeah. anyways, uh, yeah. I, 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 I like those stories though. They're real. And, uh, I'm, I'm sure you take some creative license when you start putting pen to paper and. How do you write? Are you are you typing on the laptop? Are you writing thoughts down? Like, where do you kind of collect your chapters, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, so what I what I do is like, um, so and what I when I say what I do, um, it's you know because I just I actually just finished another novel as well, um, which hasn't been published yet, but I just finished the manuscript kind of in the last week. Wow. But anyways, what I do when it comes to to novel writing is I sit down and I write something called a plot arc, and uh, where it's just like you know where I just kind of like put all of these events kind of in sequence on this arc. Um, with Last Summer on the Sage, it's got something called a parallel plot, which means there's actually two plots in it. Um, that, you know, that eventually, like whenever there's a parallel plot in a, on a, in a story, it's got to come together at some point. And so, um, so anyways, yeah. So with this, it's like, it's got parallel plots. And so you, you just kind of like, it sounds like what it is, you know, it's like a lot of times you come up with like, you know, what we think is complex terminology, but it just sounds like what it is. It's like, you know, I actually like put an arc on a page and then I like go, okay, this, this happens here. And then after that sequence, this, this logically happens and then this happens and then and then, you know, I want to, you know, flash back to this sequence here. And so, so you just, you plan it all out. Like that's, that's essentially what you're doing is you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're essentially storyboarding, right? You're, you're kind of taking yeah. kind of events and you're going, okay, this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this is how it's all going to come together. Now it's interesting when you do that, um, even after, like, even after I like I did that when I was writing and then kind of rewriting the story, like after I'd done my first edit on it, after I'd written it, it's like, you know, there's still like, there's still things that you, you have to work and massage that, you know, didn't come together. Right. Even though you had them planned out, they may not have come together properly. And so you gotta, you have to like mesh those and, and, you know, kind of figure out how, how that's gonna, you know, that's gonna happen as well. But, um, one of the, you know, one of the things too, you know, with this story is that it's, you know, there's, there's kind of, 
you know, entomology as well, kind of throughout it. Cause like, like some of the chapters, like the, because it's his last summer fishing the sage, it's like, you know, we were talking right at the start of the podcast about kind of like how things have changed and how things like, you know, insect hatches aren't quite where they're at. Well, well for, you know, for fiction here, they are like Ryan kind of, he's grown up anticipating certain hatches. And so, so he knows that, you know, he knows that when the stone flies happen, that, that it's just like, it's kind of opening, right? Like that it's kind of June 15th and things are opening up for him and he'll get to fish that for a few weeks. And then, and then, you know, after that, there's, you know, there's caddis and, you know, and then, and then after that, he's fishing like some of the mayflies, like the flabs and, and, and then, you know, he, he starts to lament a little bit when he gets to, you know, things get bittersweet because hopper season's one of his favorite, but he also knows that that's kind of right near the end of his summer. Right. And so there, there's mm-hmm. that, that's kind of like interwoven into the, into the story too, which I think that flying anglers relate to as well, where it's like, where it's like, oh man, like we really anticipate, say we really anticipate hopper season, but we're like, oh, you know, when it gets to hopper season, well, well, that means that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going back to university and so I won't be here to fish. So that means that, that, you know, I'm back to work full time. And so, you know, <laughs> so I won't be able to, you know, I won't yeah. be able to, to get out there as much as I'd like to, or, you know, and so, so we kind of do that. I think we kind of, you know, we kind of like live by the hatches as well. Right. And mm-hmm. anyway, so, so that's kind of woven through as well, which, which was fun to weave through. I liked, I liked doing that. So, um, so even if you're like, I would say, even if you're like somebody who absolutely loves fly fishing that there, you would, you know, you're gonna, there'll be things where you, they'll either kind of trigger memories or you'll be like, oh yeah, no, like, like I fished that hatch too, like that's in there. And then I've had a number of people who aren't fly anglers who have read, who have read the novel as well and who have gone, I want to fly fish now. And to me, that was like, that was like oh, one man. of the biggest compliments. I was just like, oh my goodness. Right. Like, hmm. like somebody who's read kind of a story that I've written where they're like, okay, I haven't ever fly fished, but now that I've read that, I really want to fly fish. And that was, you know, I had friends that, that said that after a river runs through it, after they either saw it or read it as well. Right. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And so, yeah. So that was really big. I, that, that was a big thing for me hearing that. I was like so excited. I love it. Anyway. No, that's yeah. great. Big compliment for sure. Last Summer on the Sage, a first novel from Derek Bird. And now Derek's also, in his spare time, the founding <laughs> editor at Fly Fusion magazine. I say spare time because I, I don't think he has a lot. Um, basically driven that magazine in some pretty cool directions in my mind. Um, oversees the editorial content, which I'm sure is a, is a, is a full-time job right there. And, of course, uh, also doing your uh, Fly Fusion series on, on TV. Jim is featured in a lot of those shows. Really have enjoyed those. I want to dig into, I want to get to know you off the water and kind of get away from um, the day-to-day. You ready for a few kind of weird questions that might not have a lot to do with fishing? (laughs) Yeah, fire away. All right. So now we don't want to know about Ryan's favorite music, but Derek's favorite music. So when (laughs) maybe, I, I wonder if they're the same person no but um so so when derek's headed uh to the water derek you're headed to your favorite stretch whether i assume it's probably in the kootenays somewhere on some blue ribbon trout stream or somewhere nobody knows about yeah what what are you listening to what's playing on the stereo oh i love that question because i'm like i'm i'm kind of musically stunted or i was for a number of years of my life there's a huge story behind that which i won't go into but um but now that I'm like, 
now that I've kind of like, I would say I kind of have come into my own as far as like my playlists and stuff like that. Even though my kids, they make fun of me all the time because they're like, dad, like your playlist needs to have a theme. And I'm like, well, I know, like I'm all about themes, but when it comes to my playlist, I really don't have a theme. So I'm a little bit eclectic um, as far as the music that I listen to. So on the way, you know, if I'm like, if I've got like some tragically hip, I, you know, I love, absolutely love tragically hip. Um, I love bare naked ladies. <laughs> In fact, my wife got me tickets to, um, what is it, the guy's name steven the guy who who's no longer with the band anymore but anyways my wife got me tickets and so we're gonna go see him um in a few months cool uh so yeah i like bare naked ladies i love you too uh you too to me is iconic and uh and there's somebody who's who's inspired me not just with their lyrics but also because i'm a big like i love lyrics and so music is important like the actual like songs but i love the lyrics too and so you too has really inspired me with the, their lyrics and and kind of with, uh, you know, how to, how to stay relevant kind of the older you get, right? And I love that. I love kind of what they've done with that. Um, I'm also a big Mumford & Sons fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, um, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a huge country music fan, but I do have, I do have some country music on my playlist too. And it's, uh, but when I say some, just a few songs from, from one uh from one singer and that's dean brody and it's just because i used to <laughs> fish a, it. i used to, <laughs> i used to fish a little bit with dean uh, when we grew up um we used to fish together a little bit and we used to play some yeah played on the same flag football team you know back in our kind of late teens early 20s and and uh so yeah so we used to hang out a bit and so cool. for me he's kind of like he's kind of like oh yeah a small town kid you know made it big mm-hmm. and uh and I, I, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate what he's done. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like, uh, yeah, just kind of what he's done with music. It's, it's yeah, pretty awesome it. when you, he, yeah, when you see him on like hockey night in Canada or something like that. And he reminds me of an like era, you know, like the, um, oh, okay. the other guy I put in that, and it's not to put him in a box, but, um, Paul, Paul, uh, Paul Brand. Thank you. <laughs> Paul, is it Paul Brand? Paul Brand. you're thinking of? Yes, that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking of. Same, yeah. same kind of style, kind of like takes you back to your small town roots and, and, uh, probably yeah. the Rocky mountains and chasing fish, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so that's my playlist. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty eclectic, but yeah, I love it. But those are some of them. I won't tell you my, I won't tell you like some of the ones that I like, would it be embarrassed to tell you that I have on my playlist, but. But you know, um, I like I, that. That's what that to me, though, oh, really? when you look at those playlists, there's usually some kind of connecting that you may or may not see like sometimes like i listen to some stations on on satellite radio and it's like man they're all over the map but usually if you like the vibe it kind of makes sense you know right yeah Hmm. yeah Yeah. let's talk patterns i'm curious derek so um (laughs) something that you just have to tie on on any given day and i'm i'm not talking there's not a massive hatch going on where it's a no-brainer it's like i gotta fish this salmon fly or i've gotta fish um, you know, these drakes, what are you normally throwing on the end of that line more often than not? Okay. So you're, so you're killing me here. You know that, um, <laughs> I, I know it's a hard one. That's a tough one. Well, not, not hard because I don't know, but I'm going to, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a safe answer. And then I'll, and then I, there's this, there's this one fly that I use on the Island for like, for cutthroat and summer run steelhead that, 
this just like it's so money like it is so money but but i'm like but i'm like that's my little secret like oh I, yeah I no like, hey i respect that I've, I've lost a few like i've lost a few where i've like you know i've cast it into you know a log jam or something like that i'm like i gotta go for it like i gotta try to get over there and get mm. that fly out of there because i'm just like this is too good um but uh so so that's like so that one i'm gonna keep on the down low but, can you um, tell us is it a streamer is it a nymph is it a dry no it's a dry it's a dry that i skate yeah okay yeah yeah and mm. but yeah so but um but so so if i'm fishing like if i'm fishing the kootenays and there's like and there's nothing kind of and there's nothing coming up um or really any trout stream if there's like nothing that's like super evident and i haven't like you know, and I'm maybe not super aware of like, uh, like what I call that trout hangover, right. Where it's like, okay, well, last week they were kind of snacking on this. And, um, then I, I'm right to, you know, I'm right to terrestrials, Mark. Like I, I love, like, I absolutely love beetle patterns. And so, um, hmm. I just, I find them so, so money. So even, even when there's not a lot coming up, which is interesting because, because I find myself kind of relying on them sometimes a little bit too much because I find that they're like, that they work kind of well, kind of like most of the time. So even just the other day, so I snuck away, I snuck away just the other day and, and there's this one stream on Vancouver Island that, that I'll sneak away to sometimes. And it's, uh, it's just a kind of a full trout fishery. So there's no salmon that make their way up there. And anyways, I was, I got up there, didn't see anything happening as far as aquatic insects. And so, so I went to a bit of a bigger beetle pattern and, and I started to catch fish and it was like, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like lots of fish, but, but like, you know, I worked hard and I probably like in an hour, hour and a half, I probably got kind of four takes and I got, and they, they all took the beetle hard. Right. So it was like, so I got all of them, like every fish that came up, I got it. And I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of what they're into. But then, then it slowed down a little bit with that. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll toss on a, you know, kind of a, like a parachute atoms or something like that. Just, just to kind of like see what's going on. And then I was like, oh shoot, why did I kind of waste the morning with, you know, with beetles? Because then it like, it went lights out. Right. And so, so I was like, well, why didn't I start with that pattern? It was because I'd become really comfortable, right. With kind of like, well, if there's nothing really happening and you know, I'll go with something like some type of terrestrial user usually, mm -hmm. but really I need to, you know, I need to, to be, yeah, I, sometimes I just need to kind of break habits. Right. And so, cause really after that, then, you know, when I was fishing the, the parachute atoms, it was like, it was like, you know, every hole, like fish were coming up very readily. Now the hook rate wasn't like the kind of the hook and land rate wasn't the same. Like there was kind of three fish that I was kind of like, that would come up and kind of check it out and head back down or kind of poke at it. But then I'd get, you know, I'd get one kind of like right after that type thing. So it was like, it was really consistent. Anyways, that's, that's kind of a long answer. So no, like, I, love flies, I love what it. I love it. flies, but, but that's it, man. That's so, like, so we're not going to see this, uh, the secret <laughs> pattern in fly fusion next edition, are we? Like, no, it, no, you know, it, no, I'm, I'm like a little bit of a conundrum and maybe a little bit of a hypocrite too, because no, like, no, I get it. I I'm get like, it. yeah, I think we all have like, maybe we do. I think we all kind of have like our secret flies, right? Even like, I even find myself and, 
and I don't know if I've written about this, maybe I should, but, but like when I'm fishing with it and, and I come across like other anglers on the trail, like I like, I move my hand up my rod so that, <laughs> so that they can. Oh, so oh that you're they, that guy. Yeah. I'm, yeah. But I'm not always that guy. With this <laughs> pattern, I'm like, with this pattern, I'm like, oh man, I just, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> That's I, res- I, I respect that. Now, okay, so let's put this into context. I'm going to call Jim and I'm going to say, Jim, Derek said uh, you'd, you'd tell me what the secret pattern is. But no. <laughs> so if you're fishing with your good buddy, are you going to hand, yeah. are you going to hand gin this fly if you're lighting it up? Or is this one of those okay. that is that oh. top secret that it's, it's not coming out? <laughs> Oh man, you just, you totally opened up a can there. Cause that's like, cause here's the thing. So, so when I'm, when I'm fishing with Jim, I'm like, Jim doesn't want any of my flies. Like, cause even like, so, so he doesn't want any of my flies and it's not that I haven't offered him flies before. Like even on the last stream that we fished, yeah, like a few weeks ago, and I probably shouldn't, you know, tell tales, but uh, but now that you've asked the question, I, I'm just going to spill beans here. So, um, so even on the last the last stream that we fished, I like I was doing quite well on this this one pattern. But Jim always mocks me for using any type of like kind of like foam, right? <laughs> so, and you'll see it even in the series. And he's serious when he does it. Like he's totally serious when he mocks you. He's like. He's like, oh yeah, no, Derek's probably using some ridiculous like foam pattern again, right? So he's always saying stuff like that, and and so I had like, we were, you know, we were fishing, you know, we we're, we we're kind of fishing this smaller stream on his side of the Rockies, and we we're we we're kind of taking turns like as we were moving up because it was it was quite a small stream, and so it was it was a really nice day like doing that where it was like taking turns and kind of each you know each kind of hole, and every time one of us would land one, then the next guy would go and it was just a really nice way to do it. And, and, uh, I had like, I had hooked this one, like enormous cutthroat cause they were, they were really onto this, what Jim would consider this ridiculous pattern that I was using. They were really onto it. And, and I hooked this lovely cutthroat. It was probably, I don't know, it was 18 to 20 inches. It was just an absolutely beautiful cutthroat. And, and then, and then we kind of looked in the hole and we could see there was another fish that, that was feeding in there. that was also quite large. And so, so Jim started to key in on that one. And, and so I was watching him and, and it's really quite amazing to kind of watch him as he's like, you know, as he's going through and trying to get this fish and he's, his flies are getting smaller and smaller. And, you know, as he's changing up flies and as he's working this fish that he can see feeding. And, and I finally said, Jim, like, here, take my rod, like, just throw, throw this out. Well, that's, that's and, the ultimate insult. Take my rod. <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't mean it that way. It was kind of like, it was kind of like, like, I know you're going to get this fish, but, but like, but like, just take it. And, and he kind of like, he was kind of like, he kind of ignored it. And, and I said it again a few minutes later and he ignored it again. And then I think that after that, I was like, okay, he really doesn't want to just being nice to me by just ignoring what I'm saying. That's right. And sure enough, he like, he kept going smaller and smaller. He was using like different, different, like little tiny mayfly patterns. And I think that's who he was using. And then, and then he, uh, he ended up getting that fish on a, on a sunken ant. So that's, and it was, it was quite a small pattern that he got it on. But was it yeah, foam? It was, pretty, was it a foam? Uh, no, no, his, no, his. His terrestrials are not foam pattern. Okay, so not a chubby Chernobyl. Yeah. 
No, no. I love it. See, but that's what I love about a good fishing buddy. It's like you kind of know each other's no-go zone. It's like, and you can give each other the gears about it. Um, Yeah. That's good stuff. I love it. Yeah. So here's a weird one for you, because your day-to-day is is fly fishing all day, all the time. So I like to know where you get your fix when you're not in your waders. So, like, is there a coffee <laughs> shop nearby? Is there a fly shop you like to frequent? Is there a watering hole? Like, where do you get your fill when you're not in the river? Oh, man, that's a... Yeah, that's a, another good question. Um, I think that... So... It depends. It kind of depends on the day. Some days I'm a really social person and then some days I'm, I'm not. <laughs> and, and so some days I get my fill just by like sitting in my office. Like I have a home office and sometimes just sitting in there, uh, time flies, sometimes writing. Um, I get my fill doing that. Um, sometimes I love to, like, I really love to go out to, you know, coffee shop and just kind of sit there with a friend and, um, I like to, we've got a few, a few good bakeries where I live and I need to learn to lay off those, but, um, <laughs> but, but I love, like, I love visiting a really good bakery. Oh man. And a nice Does that cup sound of lame or no. is that like, that's, that's me to a T <laughs> if I can find a nice cup of coffee, the coffee's more important, but if the bakery's okay. good too, it's like win, win. Oh man. Yeah. Good bakery. And I like so I like, I had this, like, you know how certain times in life you have like these, these like visions where you're just like, oh, when I retire, when I do this and like a number of years ago, I was like, when I, you know, when I retire, I'm just going to like, I'm going to drive around to like all these different kind of like out of the way coffee shops and just write about, you know, just write about them, blog about them or blog that's, about them or whatever. Right. That's cool. So I was like. I was like, I was like, oh, I just want to do that. But then, by, but then by some like unfortunate, like twist of nature in my DNA, I, I can't drink coffee anymore. And, and tell me like, it's like one of the things that I used to just absolutely love is like a, you know, a good, and, and I don't want to sound like too whatever, but I, you know, I, I'm not kind of a straight coffee guy. I love kind of, you know, a good latte and, mm-hmm. you know, a good caramel macchiato and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. oh, and but by go. some twist of, by some twist of, you know, fate or whatever it was, I like, I started to, I started to like, I don't know how else to explain it, except that I started to like emotionally flatline. Um, and so I was like, hmm. so I started to do some, I started to do some research and cause it was always after I like, visited a coffee shop that I would do this. And I was like, so I did some research and I found that, that for most people, you know, coffee is like, it's an accelerant, right? It's something that, you know, that kind of like, it gets them feeling for the day. Right. But for some people it is a depressant. And for me, it turned into that. And I'm like, no, please. You know, this no. episode is brought to you by Joe's coffee, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no foam on the macchiato. I, yeah, you know what? You're exactly. not the first person to tell me that, and I I feel oh, that. Oh, really? No, no. Oh, I've heard that from other people. So not okay. I got lots of buddies that won't touch coffee with you know, but I just for me that's uh, if if I don't have it in the morning, I'm not waking up, and I'm probably not that happy. Okay. Um, well, my my son my son is a barista. 
And, and <laughs> How he, ironic is that? <laughs> I know, right? And I mean, I mean, as a university job, right? He's in university, but as a university job, he's this barista at one of my favorite coffee shops. And and it's like, oh my goodness, he could like he, you know, some baristas are are magical. And and I don't know if it's just because he's my son, but but I always felt like he was magical the way that you know, just the way you would heat, the, mm-hmm. you know, steam the milk and kind of the shots that you would make. I was just like, oh man. And so, so that made it even more it, difficult. That it's I an art. That I can't. It's an art. It is. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Now we're not actually sponsored by a coffee shop. I'm just messing with you. So. No, no. Yeah. No. That was, yeah. Let's talk sports. So. Oh, now, yeah. I, I, I got, you said something when you say his side of the Rockies, I got to admit, I got I found that kind of funny. So you got your side of the Rockies. You got his side of the Rockies. So this 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 trench could be interesting in the sports d- divide. Yeah. Who are yeah. you pulling for? Like, is it, a, is it a Calgary team? Is it an Edmonton team? Is it a Vancouver team? Is it a Seattle team? Where do you get your... Uh your fix in the sports world or do you that's so that's so funny because because it's like um so it depends on the time of year like when it's getting into the playoffs and there's like no canadian teams left i'm like i'm like well i guess i gotta like cheer for calgary or edmonton like whichever like canadian team is left right yeah no i do the same and 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 my wife who's like also an avid sports nut she's like She's like, no, you cannot cheer for Calgary because she grew up like just absolutely detesting Calgary, right? Because the rivalry with the Canucks back in like, you know, back in the late '80s type thing. And so I am familiar. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so like hockey season, I'm like a huge, you know, huge Canucks fan. My, you know, the the family, we try to go over, and you know, we're a few hours from Vancouver um, if you count the ferry ride in there, and so like every time, like kind of once a year, we try to get over and watch Canucks game live. And then we always, you know, we always cuddle up on the couch and kind of, uh, kind of watch the Canucks games too. And so we love that. We absolutely love uh, watching hockey and the Canucks. And, um, and then we also, uh, we're also huge, like huge basketball fans too. My wife played, uh, she played uh, college basketball and, uh, and I played high school basketball. And then we both coach uh, high school basketball, and so, um, so we love. Uh, obviously, we love the Raptors, but um, but our favorite, like our favorite basketball, is college basketball. Like we just absolutely love kind of watching, you know, Gonzaga uh, oh, through yeah. the like yeah. through the through the season, and then into March Madness. I don't know if there's a better like yeah. if there's a better tournament on the planet than March Madness, and so. So we love that. We've we've even gone down to the states and watched. Uh, we watched it uh, the first round. We watched it live. Um, I think it was three three or four years ago, just pre COVID. We went down to San Jose and watched it live. It was just absolutely amazing. So yeah, so we watched that. Yeah. So Bulldogs. All right. Yeah, go Bulldogs. You, you know, right. you yeah. know what's what's funny is we did a. Uh, I love that bracket. I love everything about it. And I'm, I got to admit, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I do enjoy that tournament. So we did a March Mania fly bracket where we took the top 64 flies that we could think of and then narrowed it down, oh. and it was pretty cool. But Genius. Uh, what won? What ended up winning? Uh, oh, do you remember? Shoot. Sorry you to put me, you on the spot. No, I love it. I love being on the spot. What the heck was it? It was the, um, I think it was the pheasant tail. Was it? Okay. Which, you know, yeah. the beadhead pheasant tail. If, sure. Which, yeah. Like, how do you beat that as a nymph, right? Like, well, man. Yeah, but it was tough. I mean, it, it, it was fun, though. And then what I did is I tied every one of those patterns, and we gave oh, them away wow. as a grand prize. Um, oh, that's so great. Yeah, it was fun. That's so great. But, 
but that's yeah. cool man i i so okay so here here's a question that is a little heavy um and i i try not to get too deep but it's for me it's like why if you sit back and you look at all your time derek on the water fully immersed in the magazine your writings um your novels why do you do this like what's the takeaway what's the what do you get out of all this time on the water chasing fish time flies writing about it yeah. what does it do oh, for you man. um you know what's funny is like i think i had a better i think i had a better answer when i was younger which sounds really weird but and i just i said this actually i think jim and i were talking about this um a while ago but uh, but I had, a, I think I had a better answer when I was younger where I like, where I really wondered that, right? Like, why do I, you know, invest all this time? And, and I think my answer now is just, you know, it's just simply like, it's just simply because, you know, because I like, because I think that, I think that, like I know myself now. And so knowing myself, when I have downtime, I actually stress out when I have downtime and I'm not doing something. Does that make sense? <laughs> hmm. And and so so fly fishing to me is like is like it's my downtime, but it's like when you're fly fishing, you're still doing things like your mind is still active you're still figuring things out mm, yeah, and yeah. so i think that i think that that's one of the one of the reasons why like that i came up with is that it's that it's an active downtime it's an active pastime so there's that and then i think another reason too is just that um is that like when i when i'm out there doing it you know i have to be like, I think that, you know, and kind of anybody, I think that's listening that, you know, that, that has, you know, jobs that are kind of like that pull you in this direction and that direction. I think that, um, that it's easy. It's very easy for us culturally not to be kind of present in the moment sometimes. And, and fly fishing reminds me that, that that's the best place to be. Oh, you know what I mean? It amen. Kind of, yeah. Yeah kind of re recalibrates it very much recalibrates and mm -hmm. reminds me that that it's uh that it's the best place to yeah that it's that it's the best place to be which is in that present moment and i'm not just talking about like um i'm not just talking about kind of fly fishing that's the only place it can happen because you know i just my article that's coming out next it kind of talks about this where or it talks about kind of like work and and fly fishing and um and kind of that you know how we we think of them as such contrasts sometimes but but i don't know if they always are but um anyways uh but i think like even even in the workplace i think you know when we're kind of present in the moment then we can actually enjoy we can actually enjoy our jobs and and uh and you know really take time to to kind of look and go hey like i created that today or i like i was part of you know making that or i was part of making that happen and i think that there's a huge value in that right like um, even in work. And so, so fly fishing reminds me of that. And so, so I think that that's partly the why. Um, and then on a really kind of like non-philosophical level, I think that it's just like, I just, you know, growing up in the place that I grew up in and the family that I grew up in, um, 
I don't know if I, I couldn't not. And, and, and I'm so glad that, that I do because, because even, you know, even now that I'm, you know, kind of halfway, half, I would say halfway along life's journey, um, boy, like I, you know, I can't wait to get out there fly fishing again. I can't wait to, you know, go on the next fly fishing trip. Like I just, mm. that's well, like well I verbalized. Just, yeah. So anyways, I, I talked yeah. to somebody, Derek, that said, it's not, I need to, I have to, I right. have to go yeah. fly fishing and you're in beautiful places. So, you know, like you say, it is productive downtime. Yeah. 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 It's, it allows, it allows the brain to, to, you know, to, to recharge, but, but to still be like fueled. And, and I suspect that, I suspect that fly anglers have like, there's something in common, I think that a lot of fly anglers have. And, and it's like, I don't know if it's, you know, personality or the desire to kind of like know more or to, you know, to be, kind of actively thinking even in downtime. I don't know what it is, but, you know, when I, when I come across somebody who's like, you know, who's like, Oh, I really want to learn how to fly fish. Will you teach me? And I know them, you know, if I know them quite well, I can almost, I can almost like, and not that I would ever do this Mark, but I can almost be like, you know, personality wise, I can almost be like, you know what, you know, like don't go out make sure you don't go out and spend a thousand dollars on a rod i think because you know that you know that personality wise you know either it's patience or whatever it is that that they're gonna do it for like a month or two and then that rod is just gonna collect dust you know what and you know what i mean and then there's other people that are like oh no i really want to learn how to fly fish and you're like you're like yeah no like just let me know and i'll take you out because i know because there's there's and i don't know what it is i don't know what like i couldn't put my finger directly on it but but boy, like you can kind of tell, and then sometimes people surprise you, right? Like sometimes people battle through that kind of like mm-hmm. that steep learning curve and they, you know, they end up, they end up kind of surprising you, but more often than not, you kind of like, no, no, you will make a good fly fisherman or fly angler just because yeah, you know, the, that's who you are. So yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense actually. I want to talk about jobs. Are mm. you doing your best job? now like what's the best gig you've had to date or did you do something i don't know about in the past that was like wow this was awesome too (laughs) yeah oh that's a man that's a loaded question too um so uh, coolest job i've ever had um and i have to like so so i so how do i put this so i like um so I worked, so I worked for the magazine full time for a number of years. And now I'm listed as like the, the founding editor, which means that I'm always like, I'm always doing something with the magazine, but, but I don't work full time for them anymore because I'm, I'm actually a teacher by trade and, and I kind of miss, like I miss, and, and people, they tell me that I'm crazy, but, and I don't know, I can't, well, I can kind of, a finger on it but um but but i am a teacher by trade and so so and i'm and i do teach full-time like i teach high school full-time um which i absolutely love um but the coolest job that i ever had was like not just being kind of the founding editor and kind of like writing for each magazine but but the coolest job was actually working full-time for the magazine um because it was like because it was like you know rod companies would call us up and be like 
be like, hey, so, you know, this rod's not on the market. It's just in kind of like the, you know, kind of the pre-marketing stage, but we want to test it out. Do you want to fly up to Alaska with us for a week and like <laughs> fish for fish for coho and like just test out this new rod line? And I'm like, no, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And so, so there was like, there were, there were things like that that would happen or, you know, go down to Montana because, you know, another rod line is, is uh, launching and, you know, spending, you know, spending, you know, a weekend or a few days with influencers down there, kind of like, you know, other magazine editors and, you know, different influencers down there and just kind of testing out rods and fishing with them. And, and, uh, and then, you know, just to doing like planning sessions with the magazine, it's always like, always so fun because it's like, you know, you plan, do planning sessions for a couple days and then, and then you go out and as an editorial team, you, you know, you fish together, right. You go and do a float trip or whatever. So like things like that, like, that's like, you know, I, I always say that this is like, I was picking up my kid from school one day and um, when he was, when he was in school, not in university, anyways, I was picking him up one day and, and there was this guy there who was like, who knew, who knew me and knew what I, he knew what I did. And he was between jobs. He was kind of between careers. And he was talking to a career counselor and he went, he went, yeah. So I was talking to my career counselor and, and she's like, well, what's, what's your dream job? And, and he's like, do you know, Derek Bird? He's like, he like, <laughs> he fly fishes like full time. He's all, that's my dream job. And so, so anyways, that's, yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. So that's probably the coolest job that, that I've ever had like full time. And again, I still, I still work for the magazine, but it's, but I don't do it full time anymore. And I just kind of had this, um, yeah, I just have this like weird kind of like passion slash whatever it is for, for like teaching high school. And so, That's yeah, cool. so I came, so I came back to teach high school full time. And do you ever have and, any uh, of your kids in, in your, in your school come up to you and say, Hey, uh, Mr. Bird, I, I really need to learn how to fly fish. I could see that. Oh happen. Yeah. Yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, Mr. Burr, will you take me fly fishing? Will you teach me how to fly fish? Yeah, or, yeah that happens. Cool. Happens a lot. So, so that's pretty cool too, right? Where I get a, I get a chance to do that. Let's yeah, go. Let's basketball and yeah, let's all go, that kind of stuff. So. Let's go a little deeper. What's the worst gig you've had <laughs> that you're willing to talk about? Uh, uh it was. Um, I worked at a. <laughs> I worked at a. I, should, I don't know. I don't know if I, so I worked at a pulp mill as a gas tester for like, for a summer. And, and that was like, that was a crazy job. It was so crazy because, because I was like, I was kind of the canary, you know, my last name is bird, right? So there's a bird, <laughs> a bird joke right there. Yeah. Um, I was kind of the canary though. It was like, yeah, they send me into these like confined spaces during shutdown and be kind of like, yeah. So they taught me how to use this like piece of equipment where it would like test all these different dangerous gas levels. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and boy, that was a, that was a crazy job. And one that, one that I'd come home from and my dad would be like, my dad would be like, well, you know, this is why you gotta keep slugging through university. So you don't, you know, so you don't have to like keep testing gas all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But anyways, that was a crazy job. It was, but it was rewarding too. Like there were even parts of that that were rewarding. I met some really, really cool people. And, and this one time, this guy thought that I saved his life. Um, but it was just, I, and I never told him, I, I probably should have told him the truth, but 
Um, but there was like this super confined space that he was working in. He was doing some like welding or something. Anyways, I put in the gas tester to like to test it out. And then it came out like the uh, the long story short, I misread the tester and told him that he needed to clear out. And we needed to get fans in there. And then and he was so thankful. He's like, you saved my life, man. Thank you so much. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And then I went back to the control room and I sat down and I was like reading the manual again. And it said, it said, no, when it's this color, it means it's fine. When it turns this color, it means that you have to get them out. <laughs> and so I misread the color. So I actually like, just like preempted his, his work for like an hour or two, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he felt good about it. I'm sure you felt yeah, good exactly. about it. Better, yeah, better yeah, safe than sorry. I do deal with those, those, those tests, uh, like BW defenders, five, gas alert monitors i deal with those daily so i know i know but uh, yeah it's a little it's not in a pulp mill and i i i get it though those confined spaces are you know when there's not a lot of airflow it can be pretty hazardous right oh man this yeah this one time like i was walking through this one area and my eyes just started like burning and watering and i'm like i didn't even need to pull out the test i'm like okay clear this area guys it's like some type of a chlorine like chlorine problem in here and so yeah yeah. So, no. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. stuff. I always like talking about, and and you know the the longer we've been working for a living, you kind of see that evolution of jobs, or it's a lot of times it's what what I did in high school. I just needed to make some bucks, and and I find I I find that fascinating when people kind of talk about their work history. I don't know why. Yeah. But yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So, I work. I also worked at. I also worked at. Steel too, which was really cool. It's oh a yeah, historic site. Yeah, yeah, and I did I did education programs there. That was so fun. I loved, absolutely loved that job. It's very very cool. What do, what do you teach, yeah. Derek, in high school? Like, what's your what's your courses that you teach? I teach like I teach humanities, so mainly you know mainly English and like high school English. Yeah, makes yeah. perfect sense. It does, doesn't makes it? Makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> explains a lot of the writing. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It certainly does. Yeah, and I always think does. fly fishing is such a good space for that too. When you start reading like Roderick Haig Brown's books, or you start mm. looking at, um, you know, River Runs Through It, it it really paints a picture. And I think, um, you know, there's there's lots of you're never going to run out of material in that space. Either, right. In my mind. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I yeah, love it. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, so listen, I, I, I want to get to know what you think about where we're at, because as somebody in this industry that is really, you, you, you see a lot of different sides of it. I'm sure whether it's a trade shows, whether it's through like IF4 film festivals, whether it's, uh, you know, the, um, the magazine, where are yeah. we at as a group? Like as far as fly fishers in your mind, because I really, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this mm-hmm. for a while. I find that the space has changed a lot. There's a lot more people in it. it it's oh, evolved man, man. a lot. Like the last 15, 20 years, it's really changed. And where are we yeah. at in your mind? Are we in a good spot right now? Uh, well, fabulous. Absolutely fabulous question. Um, we're, so, so I think with every new stage, I think that there's, that there's, so I hate to, I hate to just put things in like a kind of that, that, you know, good, bad kind of dichotomy. I, I think that there's like, that there are growing pains. Um, there are things like, so, so there are growing pains that we're gonna have to go through. Right. And because the sport continues to grow, because it's like, 
And I, you know, it was, it was bound to happen, right? Like, um, just because it's so visual and we live in such a visual, like cultural climate right now where, where, you know, everything is like, you know, everything is like social media and Instagram and like, you know, every kind of moment of our life is curated in a way. And so, so how could fly fishing kind of not, you know, not do what it's doing? Do you know what I mean? And so, but, but we're, and so, but we're going to have to go, like, there's going to be, there's, there's just, is going to have to be some growing pains that are going to go along with that. Now, now, whether it, whether it, um, you know, to me, we're kind of on the upside of this curve right now where it, where it just keeps expanding at some point. And we've seen with kind of different expansions, say in like the, you know, in the, the early to mid nineties, um, when a river runs through, it came out, you see kind of a, you see kind of a, a crest as well, right? You see kind of like where it gets to the top and then it, then it usually drops a little bit and kind of evens out, but never goes back to the same. Um, so, so in that sense, we're like, we're, you know, there's, I think that there's going to be growing pains, um, because we're going to have to figure out kind of, you know, how to manage certain fish fisheries properly because of the number of people that are there. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to have to figure out, uh, you know, new kind of new ways of like adapting to kind of like, you know, water temperatures and, and low water. And like, we're going to have to like probably learn to make more concessions as flying anglers in order to, and be more kind of um, proactive and, and kind of protect certain areas that we fish. We're going to have to get used to some of that, I believe at some point in the future as well. Um, but then, so that's kind of the, that's kind of like just the tip of the iceberg as far as growing pains, but, but I'd never want to end it on that because like on the flip side, Mark, like we live in probably like one of the most, you know, just one of the most exciting times as far as like flying bling, as far as like anything, really, I think it's like a, a, just a fabulously exciting time. But, mm -hmm. um, but think about like, you know, when I go out and say test you know, test different rods, right? Our magazine does a massive rod review and, and, uh, and I get to, I get to do that sometimes with our casting editor. And, and so when you're out kind of testing certain rods and you realize like just how advanced some of the technology, when you go to like, you know, when you go to, you know, whether it be like the, you know, Sage factory or Winston or wherever, right. When you go to these places and you realize kind of the brain, like the brains that are like, investing in the rod technology that we have you're just like oh like oh my goodness like we are mm -hmm. and so and that's that's matched with like like just copious amounts of education which you can get you know either online or like certain websites or podcasts or you know magazines or wherever you go right it's just like there's just no end to learning that we can do right now um, and, and then, and then on top of that, we have like, you know, we have this, this relatively, um, this relatively, you know, it's, it's a very positive community for the most part, right. Where, where people want to, you know, listen to one another and learn from one another and, and, uh, want to, you know, want to help out, want things to be better. And so, so we're at like, we're at a, generally, I would say a really good place, but, but there are things that, yeah, there are things that we're going to have to figure out too, um. I know kind of Vancouver Island, uh, you know, and not to be kind of a doomsday person, but Vancouver Island, we got to, you know, we got to figure out kind of steelhead numbers. Like, like there are things that are happening with our, 
steelhead numbers that you know that are not uh yeah they're they're not going in the right direction mark and mm, so yeah fair um and there's there's a thousand different reasons for that right and everybody you know it seems like there's lots of finger pointing you know logging and climate change and you know this and that and the other thing and fish farms and you know but but the the finger pointing it, it doesn't help and you just hope that the finger pointing stops before you know before it's kind of too late right Mm -hmm. where we're just kind of like okay well let's regardless of kind of whose fault and kind of like let's let's kind of do what's best now for the stream and let's kind of figure out how we can make sure that you know that that this remains a productive not just productive but but that it remains kind of viable for these for these fish that you know that return that are just spectacular species right yeah, that's so, anyways, well, well said. Well yeah. said. I just, I just find Derek, it's very interesting times. Like, and and you're right. It's um, the learning curve is not that the learning curve ever will be short in fly fishing. That's what I like about it. It's always going <laughs> to yes, be. Yeah. It's it's it never ends. But but right. the learning curve to becoming a novice to being a decent angler and tying decent flies is shorter than it's ever been. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And it's like, you see it in fly fishing. You actually, we're starting to see it kind of like across the board, right. Where we had like, um, you know, we had all these essentially for years and years and years, we had, we had gatekeepers in our culture, right. Like where only certain amounts of information could make it through and the information that would make it through, you know, was, it was only allowed through by certain, you know, gatekeepers, whether they were, you know, newspaper editors or whatever. Right. Um, but now that's, that's not there. It's like, it's like, well, how many people are going to watch this? Well, you know, how many people want to on YouTube or wherever. Right. And so, and then, and then on top of that, Mark, it's instantaneous as well. So it's like, so it's like, you know, it, it's like if they, you know, if you want to go on and just, you know, just click on something and find it, you can, and then you can tie this pattern. And so, so what I think that we're seeing is, and, and this, um, this goes back to uh, because because some of the younger fly anglers that I meet now are just like I'm just like oh my goodness like these guys are incredible like just absolutely incredible but it, but it's because you know it's because essentially they've been you know for lack of a better comparison they've been they've been nursed in the information age right and yeah. so they they've yeah. just been kind of you know kind of yeah they've just they've had their you know just their mouths kind of like wrapped around a fire hose essentially and so so they're they're coming out with like you know all of this all of this information all this knowledge and and so so i think like you know a really good comparison for me is um and i can't remember the fellow who wrote who wrote this book and who popularized this idea his name will come to me and and uh but but he um he basically said he said um, that, you know, we, we think as a culture that we're getting, like as human beings, we're getting bigger, stronger, faster. Um, but he said, he said, that's not the case. He said, it's, it's our technology and essentially our flow of kind of, you know, our flow of kind of what we do that, that is making us better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So oh, his yeah. comparison, yeah. yeah, his comparison was like, uh, was it Jesse Owens, I think in like whatever year, 1936 or whenever, when he, I think he set like some some hundred, you know, hundred yard or hundred meter, um, record back in 1936. Yeah. And his comparison was really fascinating because he said, well, if we put, if we put him beside like Usain Bolt and like, he would, he would have finished like 
kind of, I think they said kind of eighth or ninth, like time-wise at that time, right? If he was in the same race as Usain Bolt. But then he said, and then he said, from that, we assume that we're getting bigger, stronger, faster. And then, um, and then he said, but that's not the case. If you were to put Jesse Owens on the same track, right, rather than on kind of the, I think right. it was like a cinder track or something like sure. that, with the same, with the same shoes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Then, then he probably, he wouldn't have beat Usain Bolt, but he would have been like right behind him, like probably would have finished maybe second or third that year. And so, so it's like, oh, that's interesting. Then you take that and you compare it to fly fishing and you're like, you're like, okay, well, you know, of course, right. These, these young guys, you know, that are coming up, they have like instantaneous access to, you know, absolutely all the information that they want. And so, and so they get to, you know, they get to watch this flying technique or, or fly tying technique or that fly tying technique. And, and, uh, and, you know, they get to learn from that. They get to learn from kind of the, you know, the best, the best. And the truth is, is that, is that back then, you know, with the gatekeepers, there was only so much room for the best of the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that, that, that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that there weren't like, you know, 5,000 more best of the best, which we're seeing today. Right. Yeah. You just didn't hear about it. That we, is exactly, that's exactly is we just didn't hear about them. So anyways, it's a fascinating, it's a really fascinating kind of cultural phenomenon that we're going through that that's kind of making its way into fly fishing as well. Now, along with that, and sorry, I just keep, I keep talking because this is such a fascinating no, I, idea, I love topic it. that you keep going, you've kind of stumbled on, but, um, but, but along with that, we also see kind of like this resurgence of like an interest in, you know, podcast which is essentially radio right so so we see this resurgence of like old media um that, that's kind of making its way back um even with even with like niche magazines like fly fusion like like boy we haven't like you know our our subscriber rate it just keeps rising and it and it was like it's like well why is that you know why is that and it's because it's because i believe people feel like like even though even though you know this information is all readily available online, they still want they still want curated stuff too. Do you know what I mean? They still want oh, yeah. you know, things that that um you know that house kind of the best of the best. Even if you know the voices are you know maybe different voices or older voices or whatever it is, they still want access to that. And so it's so we just live in this beautiful like potpourri of like of like you know mass information right now. I mean, what a time to be alive, right? Yeah, no, exactly. It's exciting. And I, I agree with you 100%. And that that's one thing, like, for me, so you talk about even podcasts, say, like, for me, I can, when I do my podcast, is on my commute, I listen to, you know, I'll listen to April's show, I'll listen to whatever, pick a topic, right? What? Not only can you find out a podcast on fly fishing, you could find a tying a parachute atoms you can be very specific you know what i mean it's not like you're just right. learning to tie a fly it's a specific fly or or somebody's fished this water that you're heading to next weekend you're getting prepped you're getting stoked for the journey and for me when i'm tying the flies that's what i like on in the background but the magazine for me is when i sit down at the end of the day i want i'm a very visual person i i sometimes get bombarded with whether it's youtube or tv or instagram or i i want to sit down and have something in my hand and it's it's, you know no one's going to text me in the magazine i'm not going to get this little note that says hey i'm going to be late for work tomorrow or whatever right at and right. for me, there's there's some, and I think books, 
I remember, Derek, I read this book. I have it on the shelf here. It's called The Last Book You'll Ever Read. And it was written like maybe 20 years ago by this guy that said, basically, books will go the way of the dodo bird. <laughs> and I'm going, you're smoking something that I'm not smoking. because That is not. And, it, and none of us can predict the future, where we're going to go. But I think it's an, like you said, it's an information age. And, and you want to yeah. learn. There's a lot of venues to do that, whether it's visual, yeah. whether it's audio. And that and, is that's why you got so many people buying your magazines because they want a piece of that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And and I love I love the way you put it too, Mark, because it's like because there's something there's a way that you can um, because because you know information obviously isn't or it, it's usually not curated for us. Meaning we can just go on and kind of find everything. We also like we like the feeling, I believe of a beginning and an end. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, so that's so the when framework. We can, when that's we can, the framework. That's right? right. And so when we can open up a magazine and, you know, see some of the best of the best photographers or some of the best of the best writers, right. Practicing their craft. Um, we can, we can also get that concept also of like, you know, whether it's sitting down with a coffee in the morning, you know, in front of the fire, whatever it is, right. We can be like, you can unwind and you don't feel like, like you feel like you're in full control, meaning like, you know, when, you know, when the article is going to begin and when it's going to end, you know, and, and I think that there's something of value even in that. And then one other thing too, as you were saying, what you were saying um, that we're finding too with the film festival, right? Because there's, there's like a gazillion films you can watch online. But one of the things we're finding about the film festival, about the IF4, is that, you know, kind of just pre-COVID and then we'll build back up to it kind of post-COVID too. But but like pre-COVID, we're just getting like massive numbers of people attending events like the IF4 where they were packing into theaters and and wanting to have this community engagement slash event. In other words, there's something there's something about going to a theater with a whole bunch of people that that you're in community with and you know laughing with them when somebody trips and falls out of their boat right when they're like going to get out of their boat into the river um or or you know or kind of ooing and awing together over a fish that you didn't realize could get that big but it's like even bigger because it's on the big screen right like like you just you you we crave that we crave that too and and I think that that sometimes when we're kind of like our own curators of information, um, we become isolated in that, and we want to know that we want to oh, know that there's quote. other, like yeah, that. we want to know that there's other people that that do what we do and that connect with us in a way that you know that that we connect with others, and and so so there's that too, right? And so man, wow, you stumble across a hmm. super fascinating topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I like the great. way you verbalize that. I know what you mean by the isolation thing. And I think that was, that was the game 30 years ago. It was an isolation thing. You go to get away, you go on your own, you go to a river, you got to go to a fly fishing club with a bunch of older gentlemen, usually sitting around <laughs> smoking cigars. And that's where you learn. Well, now it's right. like, I just look at my phone. You know, I just yeah, put on yeah. a podcast. I just put on uh, YouTube and watch uh, Derek Bird and Fly Fusion series on TV or whatever, right? It's right. like, yeah, yeah. it's at yeah. our fingertips, and I think it's pretty cool. 
But yeah. I, I want you to put your artist hat on for me, Derek, and, and paint us a picture. So your perfect day, this day, I assume it's probably, as you say, in the trench, but maybe maybe not. Um, <laughs> paint us a picture. Who are you fishing with? What kind of patterns are you throwing? Um, is there something cold to drink at the end of the day? Kind of paint us a little oh, picture. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of really good questions. Ah, so... So I have a stream and, and don't, uh, don't, please don't criticize me for not naming it, but I have a stream that, that is like very, very dear to me. Um, that's like, that's out in the middle of nowhere and it, and you're right. It's in the trench. It's, uh, it's kind of, yeah. So, so I'm back in the, I kind of back in the Kootenays. Um, I'm at this, I'm at this little stream and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a headwater stream. It's really close to kind of, kind of where the stream originates so it's not big water it's um but it's it's uh but it meanders a little bit too which is kind of crazy for a headwater stream so it meanders a little bit and in that stream it's like very clear um but it is like it's technical so it's so it's one of those streams where you can have like an absolutely fabulous day or you can like get your butt kicked by it and i love those streams i absolutely love those streams um, and so, so it's this place, it, it can kick your butt because, um, because the fish care about in this stream, because it's so clear, the fish care about like tippet diameter. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're throwing five X because, you know, because you want to try to manhandle the fish a little bit because you have all the like logs and stuff that are in the stream that, you know, they can swim under, um, you try that, but then you realize, you know, a little bit in that, that they're not going to they're not going to take that they'll come up and, exp- and inspect and then kind of leave the fly alone um, because the tippet. And so you got to go to six X and then they, then they start to take your fly, but then, um, but then you're in kind of like, you know, you're in a kind of that hazard territory where you can't like, you can't turn them as well because you know that they're going to, you know, they're sizable enough that, that they'll break off. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, um, and I, and just, I'm kind of describing like, you know, just, you know, just a few weeks ago, I, I went there and, and, uh, sometimes I go with people. I love to go with like, you know, my brothers or a friend. And sometimes I go alone, um, because sometimes I kind of like to be alone when I'm fishing, not always, but sometimes. Um, and, uh, so anyways, yeah, I, I found this, found this one fish that was feeding. And of course it was like an inch from a log and then kind of three feet in front of that, there was a submerged tree that hadn't lost its you know, hadn't been there long enough to lose its branches or it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's green needles at all. And, uh, and, but I had like kind of this two foot section where I was like, if I can make that cast an inch from that log, keep the fly there long enough for it to drift. And then if that fish comes back up and takes my fly, I'm going to have to go left with him right away. Cause I've got like this kind of two foot window that that i can like hopefully lead him through to get past that tree and then i like might have a chance of landing him and so so i did that and uh except for so i did the inch from the log fish came up hooked him he was big he was a good fish and i tried to lead him but i couldn't he went straight down to the tree and then i had to he was still on and but i had to break him off because he wasn't coming out of the tree so Hmm. Anyway, so, but that, but that's my, that's my perfect day because, because I have days, I have days where, where, um, where fishing is like, I don't want to say 
too easy but but like on those days you know you catch a lot of fish and you're like that was a good day because i caught a lot of fish but i also love those days where it's like i i still struggle with the days where i'm like you know where you're like fly changing and trying to figure everything out and you can't and and you know i don't necessarily like those days but those days are reminders too to enjoy the days when when you you know when you catch a lot of fish but i like this stream because this stream is really consistent that way it's like you got to be on your game to catch to catch fish and it's out in the middle of nowhere and so very rarely do you see anybody even in today's day and age very rarely do you see anybody up there and and so it's just kind of got all these ingredients and then um and then it's uh it's near a place too where my um where my grandfather used to have a cabin and uh and so we yeah at one point we we spread his ashes up in that up in that stream or up and around that place because that's where he asked mm. um, for his ashes to be spread and so it's just it's got a whole bunch of really really kind of special kind of special significance to it so anyway yeah that's a there pretty pretty damn good picture <laughs> <laughs> thank you it, it thank almost you. seemed like you were reliving it <laughs> yeah. oh man yeah. i yeah i yeah. sometimes i like sometimes i daydream about that place and yeah 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 my my buddy he's uh um and like my best buddy growing up he he became uh he actually became a river guardian and uh, and works for the uh, like um the ministry of environment and so that's that's his that's his job he just you know he just does that and he he kind of like he's out there protecting streams like that and and i just like it's so cool to just to see that you know that that's his that that's his job and he's you know he's mm. out there doing kind of what's best for the fish and and uh anyways that reminds me of or that place reminds me of him as well just because he he really appreciates that too so i suspect we probably read in fly fusion about some of these stories but is there anything that you, you kind of look back on as a fishing story and we've all got them, but that kind of is, is front of mind that you go, man, you're not going to believe, but this actually happened. <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, so many, but I know I can just pick one. Um, I, I'm going to go with like, I'm going to go with this one story where, where this, this guy, he just, I don't know. He, so my buddies and I, this is when we were younger, we were probably in our late teens, I bet. Anyways, we were fishing this one place and the fly fishing was really good that day. It was really, really good. And, and we were catching like lots of fish and there was a guy just upstream from us who was spin casting. He wasn't catching anything. And I don't know if it was because there was a hatch happening. I can't remember why that was, but, but I remember him kind of like, he kept looking down. He was close enough that that he kept looking down at us to see what we were doing because we kept catching all these fish. And, uh, and so, um, he looked, he, he kind of like got his tackle box. I kind of was, started to watch him because I became kind of fascinated by him, but he got out his tackle box and I saw him, he cut off his, he cut off his lure that he was fishing with, which was probably like, a, I don't know, it's probably a five of diamonds or something like that and classic and he, yeah right like the classic five of diamonds right anyway so he like he cuts it off and he he like i'm, I'm sure that like you can so you've seen it before so i'm only just filling in blanks here because i don't know exactly what he put on except that he put on a fly because i could i could see that there was nothing of any weight on his line and so so he put on 
he put on a fly and um and I, I, I assume that it was like a department store fly because because I've looked in enough tackle boxes to know that that like even even gear fishermen sometimes carry flies and they're always like those ones that were like you know the five the five pack from Kmart or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, the the blister like pack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that exact one. Anyways. So so he like I assume that that's what he tied on with something like that. And so so me being like kind of I suspect I was a little bit fly arrogant at the time. I'm kind of thinking like the guy can't, you know, the guy can't cast that. But sure enough, there he went with his spinning rod and he's just whipping it back and forth with just a fly on it. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is like this is disaster central. This is like abusing that fly, right? Anyways, so so he so he ended up casting out. It landed like probably five feet from him, like in front of him. And I'm I'm kind of chuckling watching all this. And then I was I had to kind of eat my you know eat my words because because I was like this massive trout. Like he hooked into this huge trout. It was like it was probably a three or four pound fish. And he like he he like he was like fighting it. And then he, he like pulled it up on shore. So he beached it and then it was flopping around and I'm just like, Oh no. And then it like flopped back into the water and he dove back into the water <laughs> and he like, he bear hugged this fish and he came back up out of the water with this fish and a bear hug. And I was just like, Oh my goodness, there's so much disgraceful about this, but, but like so much at the same time that you're just like, where you almost had to admire the tenacity of this guy just to like just to go and find that fly in his fly box anyways so yeah it. so there was that story um and then just one more sorry yeah. one more because now i'm on like I love but it. one Let's time go. i one time i almost got shot when i was fly fishing and that was scary that was like i i was fly fishing this really remote place and and i was fly fishing all by myself and i could hear gunshots going off and i'm like what the heck and and they sounded like pretty close and then i heard this one shot go off and then these this um this bullet like ricocheted on the rocks right behind me and my heart just went into my throat and wow. i was like oh no and so i like i like got down and i like crossed the stream and then i like i got across the stream and kind of got out from from and then was kind of like hiding behind trees and like going back to where i could hear these these gunshots going off to see what was happening and these two guys they were just target practicing but there was nothing behind it it was just a stand of trees and somehow, you know, by whatever miracle, that bullet made it all the way through the trees and hit the rock right behind me. Oh, and man. and so I was just like, so I came out and I said, hey, guys, like, like, you know, maybe you should be target practicing, like with some type of like something behind you, because like I almost got hit. They were they were horrified. Right. But anyway. Oh. Man, yeah. so, so that'll wake you up. There you go. <laughs> it totally woke me that's, up. That's not where I thought yeah. we were going. Like you know, bullets flying and 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 a five foot cast <laughs> on a spinning rod, but <laughs> it all works on some level. I love it. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Hey, Derek. Thanks yeah. so much, man, for taking the time. I, I, I appreciate it. Love what you're up to with the magazine and and uh, the new novel. Last summer on the Sage. Um, Thanks for sharing your story, and and more importantly, thanks for sharing your story with everybody and kind of bringing us along on this journey. Yeah, thank you, and thank you, Mark. I appreciate, I do appreciate very much what you're doing um, 
the uh, the fly fishing community is a community, right? And and it's people that like to, you know, like to locate information and find information. And and so thank you for doing what you're what you do. And and I've really appreciated my time, kind of like uh, getting to know you and just kind of in this last this last bit through this conversation. I've really appreciated it. So thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate that. Where do we find the book? Yeah. So good question. You can find it, uh, you can find it on the fly fusion site. So there's a, there's a little store icon on flyfusionmag.com. Um, and if you don't want to go to flyfusionmag.com and you want to support Jeff Bezos, you can go to amazon.ca right. and, uh, and you can find it there. If you type in last summer on the sage and then my name, Derek bird, uh, you will find it there. And, uh, and I would love it. I would love it if you went out and bought my novel. I just would absolutely Love that. So. It's on my do list. Uh, you, awesome. we, you've been listening tonight to a chat with Derek Bird, founding editor at Fly Fusion Magazine, uh, responsible for the vision of that mag over the years. We love where it's going. Um, oversees the acquisition of uh, you know the content of the magazine. Co-host of the popular Fly Fusion series, and the latest novel. Look for it now. Last summer on the Sage. Thanks for joining us this time around. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.